Welcome back, Bulls Nation, to another episode of the Nothing But Bull Podcast. I'm your host, Derek. As always, I'm here with my main man, Justin. Justin, what's up? Uh, nothing much. You know, I had my um, my broom already out for the uh, Net Celtics series, so I, I got a chance to use that, but I was, I was hoping not to have to use that for the Bulls, and thankfully we didn't have to. So uh, <laughs> that's something to be positive about. Right. And joining us is a special guest, my good buddy, John. John, what's going on? Hey, what is going on? Justin, Derek, Bulls Nation. Great to be here. Glad to have you. Yeah. Um, even though right now it's kind of like we're getting bad news after bad news. Zach Levine's entered uh, safety protocols again. He's questionable for tomorrow. Alex Caruso still in concussion protocol. He's questionable for tomorrow. And, of course, tomorrow is a win or go home. Yeah, like, I hope that the Bulls aren't playing for a participation trophy. (laughs) It it feels like they have been the past couple of games. So, hopefully they put their best foot forward. Um, If Zach can't go, then hopefully somebody will, will be able to man up and and provide us something, but it's it's been looking pretty pretty bleak uh, the past couple of games, which was strange because coming off of that um, game two win, I was pretty confident. I don't know about you, <laughs> you all, you all, but I was pretty confident that the Bulls would be able to, um, you know, show a lot more fight in this series, which I was just surprised surprised that they didn't. Um, well- Especially with Middleton going down. That was, you know. I can tell you this. I was so hyped after that game, too. I predicted on my Bulls group, on Facebook, Bulls fan, that the Bulls would win at six. I was thinking we'd take the next two in Chicago, probably lose a close one in Milwaukee, and then close it out in Chicago in game six. And um, unfortunately, that was just a dream. Uh, yeah. uh, so well, like they say, uh, nightmares are dreams too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had the same kind of uh, thinking as you did, John. On you know, we were going to take the next two in Chicago, probably drop the one in Milwaukee, and then win in Chicago in six. And I you thought know, you I, said I, five. Hey, it, it changed. <laughs> like from day to day, it changed. <laughs> some days I said five, some days I said six. One, th- one thing I definitely I'm want. With seven. Yeah, there you go. Seven. With seven. Hey, you know what? Seven it is. There you go. Hey, it's happened before. It can happen again, right? Maybe DeMar DeRozan goes on another one of those February tears where he just breaks records for, you know. 35 points and 55% field goals again, right? And then just scores 50 tomorrow. Who knows? Hey, who knows? Uh, I will tell you, I looked on FanDuel, and I saw that if I were to put in a $50 bet to bet that the Bulls would win by 11-plus, the return on that would be uh, 1900 bucks. So just like, hmm. <laughs> that would that's be... not bad odds, but... Hey, that's not bad. And then if you... But yeah. then on, on the other hand, if you were to pick Milwaukee to win an 11-plus... 
I think it was uh, 27 on the return. So, <laughs> obviously, Milwaukee is heavily favored, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, so. that's the funny thing is that um, going into that last game, when I looked at the um, look at the odds, I think like Milwaukee was like favored by just four points. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that last showing beforehand, I thought it would have been uh, better or like higher for Milwaukee. I don't know what they were like really looking at. I don't know if it was just um, with the home crowd or. Or if they knew something about someone's health than we did, something more. But I, I thought that that number would have been much higher. And um, well, watching that game, it should have been much higher. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think they are favored by twelve for tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, but you know, in in a certain way, like I look at these losses as. Um, I kind of look at them as positives. Absolutely. Um, 100%. Because, yeah, like, it kind of shows the Bulls that, like, okay, like, we we knew what we were getting with the guys coming in. Like, we weren't quite sure, but we knew what it could possibly be when Ball was healthy and everybody else was clicking. And you figure when you had P-Will coming back that, you know, you would see a, a lot better of a team uh, than we had um what was supposed to be coming into the year. I think that we, we can all see that who are the players who need to come back. But a good thing is that we're just able to fully identify like who we have on this team, who really isn't a part of the future going forward. And um, that, you know, I think that that kind of like knowledge is kind of invaluable, especially for a team who hadn't made the playoffs in what, five years. Um, having to get rid of all of those pieces that were supposed to be part of the future moving forward. And the last piece really is who? Uh, Kobe White, uh, trying to see if he was like a possible person to hang on to as far as getting things turned around. And I, I think it's just become evident that he's he's just not that guy who was going to be on this team later. I don't know what you all think about that. I would have to agree there. Um, I think that we are going to be too guard-heavy if we keep Kobe. We will have Lonzo Ball back. He'll be at full strength. Io will be a year, uh, have a year um, under his belt. Alice Caruso, you've got to give him minutes. He's our defensive glue. Him and Lonzo are just perfect together. We, we've never been better than when we had Lonzo and AC in the backcourt together. So that's something yeah. to really think about. Uh, Kobe White's contract comes off the books. That's going to be a very valuable asset for other teams looking to to take on an expiring contract. And at the same time, still a very young player, uh, I believe 21, 22, and uh, can give give you points in bunches. My only issue is with him, very streaky, and the defense, is, although it has improved, still has a lot to be desired. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I tried to have hope for Kobe. Tried. The whole season, I tried to have hope that, you know, Kobe White is going to be a six-man. He's going to give us that scoring off the bench that we're going to need. And he just hasn't come through when we needed him the most. And it's looking more so like it's something else to blame on Garpax because Garpax is the last pick in the draft. Yeah. That is right. That's he true. Was. He was, yeah. 
and you have players, you know, me and you just know we talked about this the other day. You had players that drafted after him that are much better than he is. Yeah. Um, you had Poole. We talked about Poole. Um, um, who else out of that draft that we were we talking about? Because there was like a bunch of names that just came out um, besides Poole. Um, and I had the list like right in front of me, but oh, yeah, Tyler Hero. Yep. Another guy that came out. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's not looking like a, a great pick. There. And I think. Um, Trying to think who else. Uh man, it's it's it was like right in front of me, and I, I don't have it like right in front of me, but we came up with like nine guys who were, you know, pretty viable NBA players that were able to show off the talent that they've that they've had and what they've worked on these past three years. And you know, at this point, I don't even know if it's necessarily fair to just like say this is totally on Kobe because again, like these players, they don't draft themselves. Um, But we knew that Kobe was a young player. And I think that part of the thing with Kobe, not really reaching what he possibly could be, because we, we all saw that he had talent was just like the coaching level really wasn't up to par. Oh yeah. Um, So, you know, it's like, we'll never fully know. Unless, of course, he goes to another team and just balls out. But we'll never fully know what Kobe uh, could have been if he just had, like, competent coaching. You know, um, we look at Wendell and and Lori, and obviously they had their injury problems and weren't very consistent. But you look at them on other teams, even though they're, like, uh, Wendell's on a, a terrible Orlando Magic team. But you do see that there has been considerable growth in his game. Um, Lori proved that, you know, wasn't like a number two or three on the team, but was a very solid number four for a Cleveland Cavaliers team that uh, they made the play in. Um, so and that, that's just being exposed to just much better coaching. And um, I'm just kind of sad that like we won't fully see what he could have become because we, we saw glimpses of it. You know, everybody saw glimpses of it. And I think that Kobe given the right circumstances where he's not asked to be the decision maker, where he's just doing what he was doing in college, being like a combo guard, but just on the attack um, on a steady basis and sometimes opening up plays for other people. I think that that's kind of like the player that he is, but I thought that he could have been so much better at it if somebody had been there to kind of help him harness that. And it's just been, it's been a shame uh, to watch what, would have been, I thought, was a promising pick. Um, see, see what he's doing in the playoffs now, to where you know he's getting benched for a rookie. Like that's the last thing I would have saw. I thought that I would have seen from Kobe at this point in his career. Yeah, and yeah. it also didn't help that he was um, picked by Garpax to be a point guard when he said it's more like a combo guard shooting guard. Yeah. And- in the mold of uh, Ben Gordon, Jamal Crawford, like that. Yep. He would have been perfect off the bench playing that role in that way. And I think he's very capable, by the way. I think he is. What's going to kill me is he goes to another team and he ends up being a, a great six man like a Jamal Crawford or Lou Williams. And you just look at – we just look back on this and we say, why not with us? You know, that's, that's my concern because I do think he's that good. I think he's, he has that potential to be that good. 
Yeah, I mean, I was like looking over like his weaknesses, like um, coming out of the draft. Uh, one of the things was needs to improve as a decision maker and passer. Does that sound like Kobe? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, can improve as a playmaker, but he gets a little bit out of control. Like those are all things that we knew coming out of the draft or for anybody who was familiar with his game coming out of North Carolina. But like you just see the importance of having a competent coach who knows what they're doing. Um, I'll turn to what's happening with the Boston Celtics. Like you look at that team and, you know, really the only kind of two-way players that they had on that team were Marcus Smart and um, uh, Al Horford. But now you see, um, uh, what, how do you pronounce his name? Is it Udoka, the Boston yeah, coach? Yeah. So you see yeah. him come there and then like all of a sudden now you have Tatum and Brown who are like becoming more two-way players. Like that's not something that you really saw for them when like earlier on in their career, even just last year. Uh, but you see like a competent coach preaching solid principles and you've seen tremendous growth in that team, um, especially with them being able to do what they did to that Nets uh, team that was supposed to, you know, cause so much, um, so many problems in the playoffs for opposing teams. But just having like solid coaching to give you, you know, that, um, that structure that you need to be able to harness your talents. It's really a shame that it's kind of got wasted on Kobe. And that's not to say that Donovan is a bad coach, but it's like, you know, now you, instead of that like, Kobe being able to shine more, we got, we picked up ball. We took, picked up uh, Caruso. Um, you knew that Levine was going to have the ball in his hands. And so was DeMar. All of that was going to affect the growth of, of white. Uh, this year. And um, it's just really a shame that he, he didn't reach his full potential with us. Agree 100%. Yeah, um, definitely agree. Yeah, like, like you said, when we got Lonzo and Caruso already having Zach um, drafting Io, it was kind of like the writing was on the wall that one of these guards was not going to make it and Kobe White would be the odd man out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about that before where I was like, you know, um, if you didn't know that they were kind of on the outs, uh, the fact that this team lacked size and they went with another guard when you, you had so many guards already signed, um, just kind of, kind of let the friend, let, not to let the franchise, but let Kobe know, like, okay, we're hoping that you can be a key contributor, but you know, with with coupled with the the injury that he had before uh, the season began, you know, you could really see that, you know, they were kind of on the outs of him. One thing I wondered at the trade deadline, obviously, we we stayed uh, conservative on that, but then we ended up getting Tristan Thompson uh, later in the buyout market. But if we if everybody had been Healthy. If Caruso had been healthy, if Lonzo Ball had been healthy at the trade deadline, would we have possibly traded Kobe White? Uh, I think that is a big possibility. I think that's I a think huge possibility. Yeah. That is really what kept Kobe White on the team was the fact that Caruso and Ball both went down with uh, close to season well in, in Ball's case, a season 
ending injury, and then Caruso was close to that um, till the very end of the season. Yeah, that was yeah. coupled with the fact that Ao was playing so well. Oh, extremely. Yeah. Do you think so. he hit the the rookie wall? I I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong in saying it, but I was saying, thinking that earlier, uh, probably like started end of March or. It seemed like he started to um, kind of go down in his production a little bit. I don't know yeah. if it's like so much of him hitting the rookie wall as opposed to, you know, they, they pay scouts for a reason. <laughs> you know? um, and Kobe, not Kobe, but AO um, obviously had his flaws and things that he needed to work on um, from the beginning of the year until – uh, the point where he, his play started to kind of lag off. But um, when teams see that you are a big part of what the, the season or what the, the team is uh, doing um, from a positive standpoint, guys are going to kind of scout ahead and, and pick apart your game. Because um, he doesn't look tired out there, you know. Um, he doesn't look lackluster, and he still competes on defense. But just yes. offensively, you did see teams kind of gearing up more for him, whereas before he was catching, um, kind of catching them asleep. I think I think a lot of people kind of slept on Ao this year, but um, you know, once that scouting report comes out and teams are gearing up for you, it's a totally different ball game. And Derek and I have discussed this before, where like you know, guys come in, they have a good rookie year. And then the next year, the league kind of figures you out. And then by year three, you kind of turn into the player that you are going to be. So, um, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I think it was more of a fact, a fact of uh, teams just doing more scouting on him. And then he'll just have yeah. to adjust. Yeah, I think it's a combination of the two. I think he kind of hit the rookie wall, but also, you know, he's on the scouting report. After they see, hey, this rookie guard for Chicago, he's doing really well. He's he's getting these assists. He's he's uh, driving to the lane. He's knocking down threes. We need to plan for him. And once that happens, he he's going to slow up because it is his first year of NBA competition. So that's where I think the rookie wall kind of comes into it too because he's like. Man, it, it was easier earlier in the season. What's going on? You kind of lose a little bit of confidence as a rookie in yourself when you we aren't performing as well as you were earlier, especially you know when games become more important. You kind of get in your own head a little bit. That's right. Yeah, also, and this is not like anything against um, Donovan because he, he's doing the right thing. You know, when AO started struggling, you saw it minutes starting to dwindle, not by a whole bunch, but, you know, wasn't as much as it was before. And then you had guys coming back and uh, Caruso came back and he was, you know, more healthy. So obviously that's going to affect his play too. But I think a lot of this is like trial by fire. Um, And we saw that like when AO went through the fires of going up against steady competition, he started to meet that challenge. Um, and I think one of the good things about Caruso being out, if he is out and with um, Zach being out, is like, hey, he's going to have to go into the fire and you're going to have to not necessarily produce, but you're going to have to go through that more. Because the only way you really learn is through experience. Um, 
And with him getting more playing time, being thrown out there in a playoff game, I think is going to be pretty um, huge for his growth moving forward. I'm going to ask you both this. Um, John, I'm going to start with you. Is this series over? It is not over until it is over. No, it is not over yet. Hey, look, anything can happen. Any freak, not that I wish injuries on anybody. Giannis goes down with an injury first quarter. What happens? It's never over until it's over. I, I'm not, I am not going to say it's over until that final buzzer. Or until, until the, the, the worst-case scenario, we're down 20, 30, going into the fourth. Okay, then I'll, I'll say it's over. But at this point, no, it is not over. You, yes, you no. remind me of that guy off of uh, Dumb and Dumber. So you think there's a – you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> you're telling me there's still a chance. <laughs> um, you know, actually, you know, my, my dad, he used to play um, – college ball and like he would always get on us like like you keep compete competing to the end because he said one coach told him you know you never know all the players might drop dead so if you <laughs> if you're not competing if you're not staying in the game you're losing out on that opportunity and i know he was you know he was being um uh hyperbolic but you know uh you compete to the end um, with what John Jonathan was saying, you keep going. You never know what's going to happen in this series. I mean, look, um, Embiid got a sprained thumb, and then what? The Raptors are kind of back in that series. Right. Um, Devin Booker went down, and uh, the Pelicans are in that series. In fact, are, are they? Are they? Is it, tied right? Yep, it's, it's like tied. tied. Yeah, it's tied. And that last game was pretty much a blowout, especially in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so you you don't know. Um, nobody could have predicted that Middleton was going to miss that. And, you know, especially with that, if I'm a coach, I'm telling guys, hey, go out there and compete as hard as you can because we don't think that Grayson Allen is going to shoot what? What, did he shoot like 80% from the field or something? Like it's some crazy stat. I just like lost crazy. track of – Yeah. This is, um, is he, is he going to make that many three-pointers? Like um, – Giannis is going to be honest, but like, are all of those uh, complimentary pieces going to be able to match the kind of production that Middleton brought to that team? Um, that's up in the air. That can be consistent. Like, if you go out there and compete, you just never know what can happen. The biggest thing I want to say, and I'll even allude to, this is something that Stacey King tweeted uh, a couple days ago. Stay on Giannis, single coverage. Let him get 40, 45. And try to shut down everybody else. They did that in game two. They did not do that in games three and four. They doubled them. And it made Grayson Allen look like Larry Bird out in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> got to stay on him. Single coverage. Patrick Williams can hold his own. Alice Caruso can hold his own on the switch. Um, you know, I mean, if he scores 40, 45, so be it. But don't let these other guys look like look better than they are. Especially Grayson Allen, please. Not him. <laughs> I, mean, I totally that was the that was the worst nightmare for me. It wasn't the fact that we lost; it was that we lost at the hands of Grayson Allen on our court, and Bobby Portis yeah. is over there dancing on the on our court, and Giannis's brother Manasseh or whatever Manasseh, whatever his name is, <laughs> he's over there dancing. Not, Manasseh is dancing on our court. 
You know, that that's what that's what drove me nuts. Like I, I couldn't take it. It reminded me of Horace Grant dancing out. You know, Horace Grant danced on our court after they beat us in the semifinals in 95. That was tough to watch, but we had lost. But you guys haven't even beaten us yet. Come on. Uh, that, was, that, that was just that was tough to swallow. That was very tough to swallow. So like I said, we're going to Milwaukee. It's going to be tough. But please, please, guys, I wish they could hear me. Please, single coverage on Giannis. Yeah, like, uh, I, I totally agree. Like, I hear everything you were saying. I'm sorry. I, I was kind of thinking what the over-under of um, a person named Manassas, like what their age would be. <laughs> like, that sounds like an old person's name, yeah. like an old biblical name. Uh, sorry. I, was, I got a little sidetracked there for a second. But, yeah, I've always agreed with that. Like this this Milwaukee team, you know, they were a championship, championship team. They're not a great team. You know, I, I would all be all for if Giannis goes out there and gives me or puts up 40 or 50 points. I've, I've always agreed to the, the, the thing of those guys, you are not going to stop them from getting theirs. But you can stop the other guys from getting theirs. Like there's no reason for Grayson Allen to be getting those wide open shots or for Pat Connaughton to be able to take guys off the dribble. You know, just – Stay with your guy. Like there was too many times where I could, I saw like Drew Holiday, for example, he would go baseline and just whip a pass to uh, somebody. And I think it was a couple of times that Levine was guarding somebody, and Levine wasn't even looking at his man. He was trying to watch the ball, and I'm like, just guys, just stay, stay on your guy. Like yep. not asking you to like be responsible for. Every time that Giannis touches the ball, like all of these eyes are on him, just let him go out and do his thing and make sure that the other guys aren't beating you. I think that that's the only way to go, especially if they're down an all-star with Middleton being hurt. Like, why would you allow them to whip the ball around and get open shots like that? The one thing that I will say is Giannis, when he's on that court and there's no other viable point guard on that court, why are you letting him go full court without putting any pressure on him to stop the ball whatsoever? Like that's the one thing that I think that Donovan could have tweaked in his defensive strategy. Like I'm not going to let Giannis just go full court from one end of the, to the other end and just go and like dunk the ball on somebody without having any type of pressure. Um, that's the only thing that I noticed. I was like, I, I thought he would have made some type of adjustment with that. But, yeah, I agree with you, Jonathan. Just make the other guys beat you. That's right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I don't understand why that's not, like, common knowledge. Like, that's what the teams did to us back in the day. They knew Jordan was going to get his. Their yep. focus was stopping everybody else. That's right. So – you know Giannis is going to be honest. You can't let Grayson Allen outscore both of your all-stars in back-to-back games. It's Grayson Allen. He's not that good. Exactly. No. Uh, it's no. almost – I'm wondering if he was fueled off of the booze, although it wasn't that great not, – not that big of a booze, but like like you would hear in other stadiums. But I wonder if that fueled him. You know, like that motivator. Okay, these guys are booing me every time I come to town after what I did to Caruso. And I'm wondering if that added fuel to 
the fire burn. I don't know. I've just never seen him play like that before. Well, I mean, the one thing that I will say is that with Allen coming from the um, program that he did in, in Duke, yeah, he was used to playing in some pressurized situations. Yes. Um, you know, because that rivalry with uh, between Duke and North Carolina, it's just insane. Um, and if you're ever there, like if you ever hear a game live or, you know, you just tune in and the monitor, not the monitor, but the um, microphone happens to pick up a lot of the things that are being said in that crowd. You know, um, I don't know if the Chicago crowd is going to like negate what he's heard in his past. And I'm not saying that he is like some big time player, but he has played at a big time program before and been an integral part of the success of that program. Now, that being said, you're still Grayson Allen. Um, and Grayson Allen should not be bawling out of his mind like that, where he's, like you said, uh, playing better than all our all-stars. Like, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. None. Yeah, no. But, yeah, I, I, I just feel like we're going to win tomorrow. I like it. Sports game six. Um, I can see like big games from Damar, Booch, and Kobe. <laughs> That's funny because I thought the same thing. I I feel like this is this is like would be a big game night from Kobe. Um, if Levine doesn't play, and then just if Kobe just has that freedom to like, just go out there and play. Not that I'm saying anybody's holding him back, but you know, for some reason, I think that Kobe has a pretty good game too. I don't. I'm not saying that they win, but I just had that same thought. Yeah, I mean, because if Caruso and Zach are both out, then you got to start Io and Kobe. Yeah, you'll, you'll be seeing a lot of Troy Brown Jr. off the bench as well. <laughs> <laughs> he might. He might. He might. He might give you zero points, but he might give. He might also give you ten rebounds and a little. You know. Few good uh, defensive stops here and there. Hey, I thought I would have seen Bradley more. Like I know yeah. that I know that Derek hates Bradley. <laughs> I do for not some reason. <laughs> but I would I, take him over uh, over Tristan Thompson and his Kardashian curse that he has like any day. Well, I will tell you this: I have been pulling for Bradley more than anybody on this team since day one because. My Bulls group, there were a couple of guys saying, oh, Tony Bradley's going to be this year's Felicio. No, he's not. He is not that bad. Stop it. Oh, yes, he is. <laughs> and so I, any time Tony Bradley would have a decent game, I would just tag him. All right, you got, what do you got to say about that? No, he just never plays anymore. And it's like, oh, you know. Yeah, I, I thought when Bradley was in there, like he, he – um had some pretty decent minutes. And the one thing that I always look for is like, okay, you're coming in there. You might not be as athletically gifted as everybody. Maybe you're not the best scorer, but how do you do things with things like as far as fundamentals? And Bradley would run the floor. Bradley would mm -hmm. set solid screens. Um, Bradley would rebound. Um, so at least I and maybe I'm alone on this, but I thought that he did not have like terrible minutes when he was playing out there. It's not like, you know, he was Luke Cornett or something. I, I thought he did something positive. 
I mean, I, I honestly did not never, you know, does he have butterfingers at times in the low post? Yes. Yes, he does. But uh, I like the, I like him on the, uh, on the screen roll. I think he can put, put in some pretty nice screens, De- decent defensive rebounder. Um, and he know, has length. And he has length. Tristan Thompson, you know, Stacey King, I love it. I love when he says it. It's hilarious. He calls him the nightmare. When he, when he goes for that up and under shot, <laughs> he tries oh, to do the like, nightmare the, shake, the nightmare shake. The nightmare shake. I mean, it, that that is just uh, that is unbelievable. But um, yeah, I, it, it's very disappointing because you look at it. Tristan Thompson, Tony Bradley. Okay, who's the better player? Oh, Tristan Thompson, most most NBA would say he's the better player. But is he really? I, I don't know. Our record doesn't show that. But I, I we can't place the blame on him completely, of course. But it does make you wonder. It does make you wonder. Oh, we yeah. can place the blame on him. I mean, it, it's just a, it's just, just a crazy like thing. <laughs> okay. No, okay. I don't. Yeah. I just don't. Oh, you're not alone. And, and that Kardashian curse, you're probably at least the 10th person I've heard say that, you know. Uh, there were people that are very knowledgeable Bulls fans, and Derek, you know, uh, Rizzy was very much against it, um, you know, uh, from, from day one. He, he was saying that he was going to mess up, you know, I don't know how much of it he was joking, but. He definitely was not for it. I was for it just because he's one of the best offensive rebounders in the NBA, and that's exactly what we needed. And our offensive numbers do – rebounding numbers do go up when he's in. But that's about what he gives you. That's about it. I do wonder at times, you know, him yelling on the bench. That one time that we did come back, I, I cannot remember who we were playing, but we were down to an inferior team. And he yells at the bench, beginning of the fourth quarter, we come back, 11-0 run, and, and we end up winning the game. But I'll never forget the look on Io's face. He just gives this look like, is this guy really yelling this like this? Like this guy who puts up three points and three rebounds a game is yelling at us like this? You know, it makes you wonder. Um, is there something going on in that locker room that we don't know about? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't started. see that. But if like a rookie is calling you out like that, like if a rookie is looking at you like, like you have two heads like that, that could be, yeah, a problem. Yeah, I, I'm all for um, giving Tony Bradley Tristan's minutes in this next game just because realizing that Tristan Thompson is going to come off the books. Bradley has a player option, which I'm sure he'll opt in. So you got to look at who's going to be on the team next year. And Thompson really hasn't done anything. Why not, you know, give the younger guy a chance to go out there and provide some defense. I completely agree with you, but Billy Donovan seems to be stuck in his ways and stuck in his rotations, almost almost like Thibodeau used to be, you know? He's stuck in his – he's stuck in it. I just don't see it happening. I haven't seen Bradley play in the longest time. When was the last time he played? Maybe I missed it. Do, do, you, do either of you know? It was uh, game three. Game three, I think. <laughs> the, game, the game I was over your house for, they put him in, oh. like, the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, okay. See, well, and he, he didn't he like get like double digit rebounds or some kind of crazy thing like that? Did he? I uh, thought he might have gotten like ten rebounds. Maybe, maybe yeah. I saw like the stat and I read it wrong. You know, Derek. At that I was point, like, oh, Bradley was in there. I was barely paying attention at that point. You know what state I was in? I was angry. I was angry and drinking more and more. Yeah, and more. we were both. Yeah, I I was just I didn't want to look at it. I mean, I was listening to it. It was like white noise in the background, you know. 
<laughs> no, he had three rebounds, but he had ten points. Yeah, okay, 10 points. that's what I, I knew. He had ten, 10 of something. Yeah. Okay, so he had ten five points and three rebounds. Five of five, and how many minutes? Uh, he played six minutes. Wow. Yeah. See, there I don't go. care. Like, if it's in a blowout, doesn't that earn you some type of consideration? Like you something. It definitely should. Because Tristan Thompson played 11 minutes of the game and had two points and zero rebounds. Okay. Every single time Thompson is in there, it feels like I watch Giannis, like, just dunk on his head. <laughs> um, and I can understand that happening with um, with uh, P-Will because, you know, P-Will is six foot seven. Um has the link, and actually, I think that people has been doing, you know, a pretty decent job guarding Giannis as far as like getting up under him and like trying to meet him at his spot and not give him a lot of room. Not saying that like he's stopping anybody, but at least being competitive and doing that. But every single time that like Thompson gets on Giannis, I'm like, here we go again. It's gonna be a dunk on his head, and yeah. it. I don't know. It feels like that to me. Maybe that's just what I have in my mind every single time Giannis gets the ball on him. But yeah, I just feel like there's nothing good that happens when uh, Thompson is is guarding any big man for that matter. Like I yeah. just I feel like he's going to do something where it's like, why did we sign this guy? Yeah, I feel like Pat has played great defense on Giannis. Giannis gets away with a ton of offensive fouls. Thank you. Yes, he does. Thank you. Yes, he does. <laughs> like, that elbow was always up high. Always. Always pushing the guy off. You really can't play much better defense when the refs are ignoring, you know, this guy just taking his elbow and creating space with it. Well, you know, that's the thing. Giannis gets away with murder. He does every single game. He has his whole career. Uh, for his whole career, he should be zero for zero from the free throw line. Every single time he goes to the free throw line, it should be a violation because he takes more than 10 seconds to shoot. And, you yeah, know, this is true. I mean, he should, he, it's unbelievable what the NBA lets him get away with this constant pushing, constant shoving, you know, no calls. You know, I, I keep remembering that offensive foul or the defensive foul called on Patrick Williams when Giannis that was is literally on his Jumped back. over his back? Jumped yes. On his back. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Patrick Williams is just boxing out. And this guy's literally just jumping on his back, and they called it. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was done by three. Giannis had five fouls at that point. Yep. Two minutes to go. Yep. That could have been the difference of the game right there. You, you call the right play on that. Giannis leaves the game as he should have, and who knows what happens there. Bulls win the They're next game. Gone to Chicago 2-0. That's it. They're up 2-0 going into Chicago. Who knows what happens? Momentum is clearly in Chicago's hands. It's, yeah, uh, that it's that call, like I can't, like you know, I want to. I I've always been like, okay, guys, you guys got to go out there and compete more. I'm always talking to Derek about, hey, can we get some guys in here who can take a charge or something like that? But there has been a lot of questionable non calls in this particular series where I'm like, I don't know what you have to do to get a foul called on Giannis. You know, like yellow cards or something. And as bad as it is for the calls that, that, you know, they they literally call offensive fouls on Giannis instead they call it defensive fouls. But Zach, on the other hand, 
constantly getting foul going to the hoop. And I noticed about Zach, and I hope he can change this. Once that starts happening, he starts to get really upset. You can see it in his mind, in his head, in, in his eyes, and uh, he starts to lose focus a lot of times. It kind of takes yeah. him out of his game. And yeah. That's something that he has to work on. Um, it's something that is a big problem, and I think that the, I think that Bulls management, Bulls upper management, needs to go to the NBA about it this summer. Uh, they need to have full video footage on all of the missed uh, calls on on Zach, where he didn't get uh, called for uh, fouls on the, on the defensive player guarding him. Uh, he should have been going to the free throw line so many times, and didn't. And then what happens is, you know, the team goes back in transition, the defensive team goes back in transition, and next thing you know, they're scoring, and you know that's how these runs start a lot. I've noticed it's unfortunate, but it's happened all season. Well, I mean, you know, that goes back to, to honestly, to that goes back to Donovan to me. Um, yes. And I've I've said this to Derek a bunch of times. I don't know if he thinks I'm crazy or not. But I said, I think that Donovan should have had way more technical fouls this year than he has had, like, throughout his whole entire coaching career. Like, you you have to make sure that before your guys lose it and lose their focus on the court, you got to, like, take some of that pressure off of them by getting on the refs. And you see the veteran coaches out there. They are giving it to the refs, especially during playoff time. There is not one play where coaches are not up in the refs arguing for their team, arguing for those individual players so that, you know, they, they need to have somebody who not only has their back, but kind of takes that steam off of them so that they're not letting that get them unfocused on what they need to do. And I think that, I don't know if that's, a growth in um, Donovan's coaching, but you know, um, I think that he he should have gotten a lot more technicals this year uh, than he has, instead of just letting things just kind of get out of hand or just calling a timeout. That's just my opinion. He needs some of that Tom Thibodeau fire up. And... Yes, Tibbs is always barking. I don't know yeah. how he doesn't get like kicked out of a game. In the oh, first yeah. five minutes of a, of a game. It's unbelievable. The guy the guy could be up by 30 points with five minutes to go, and he's still screaming and yelling on the sidelines. You know, uh, unbelievable. And he's always been that way. Um, never changes. I, I, I mean, all the years he coached us, and I watched pretty much every Bulls game with NBA League Pass, I think I saw Thibodeau sit once, and he was smiling and laughing. I'm like, oh, maybe he had a drink before the game or something. You know, it's <laughs> strange. Um but, yeah, I don't know. I think Donovan is a great coach. I really do. I, I still believe in Donovan, but I do agree with you there, Justin. I think um, he definitely needs to voice with the refs um, issues like that, that that have been an ongoing issue with us since day one, really, with this team. It seems like the refs do not respect us as a team. I think they respect DeRozan as the player, but it seems like the refs do not respect the Chicago Bulls as a team. No, yeah. I agree. Um, uh, oh, yeah. sorry, Derek. I didn't mean to cut you off or anything. Um, yeah, like, I, I agree. No, Donovan has to, to some of that charge on the referees. Like, you, you're allowing 
these calls be made for the other team, but when it comes to us, you're not blowing your whistle. He needs to get up there and fight for his team. And then, you know, like uh, John said, you know, the Nets put up a mixtape on missed calls for James Harden before they traded him. Maybe we need to send the league a mixtape like, hey, these were all fouls. I agree. I did not know that that was the case, but I agree with you completely there. That's exactly what we need to do. Yeah, I didn't know that that was the case too. But I think that Donovan, in particular for this team, he needs to do that because when you think about like the top players on this team, everybody is fighting for like just that respect. Like we think about like DeRozan coming from Toronto and then being cast aside for Kawhi Leonard. That's a slight on him. We think about like Zach Levine, like now just starting to get recognition just to make an all-star team and then being, you know, finally invited to like play in the Olympics. You know, he's been facing slights since he entered the league with people saying that he's nothing but a scorer. Uh, With Vucevic, you know, coming from, from Orlando, people still question whether or not that he's one of the top centers in the league. These, these are all guys who are just fighting for, their place in the league um, because, you know, even when, when we signed DeMar DeRozan, the entire media, except for like those people who were like linked in inside of Chicago, like, but mostly from a national standpoint, people are like, Oh, you got DeMar DeRozan. Well, that was like the, one of the worst things that you could ever do. Like you would have thought that we had the worst free agent signing in the history of the NBA. Um, and that's that's messing with people's respect in the league, that respect that they're trying to build up and earn. So you have these guys who are fighting for that respect, trying to get that recognition. Like Donovan has to has to become a, a stronger voice in order for them to get to that level. Yeah, that, I, that whole um, Demar thing, it it always confused because it's so. People like don't basketball because they're they're basing it off of okay you were in Toronto they traded you for Kawhi Leonard and they won the championship but they aren't taking into account that Kawhi made a lucky shot against Philly yeah and then Kevin Durant got hurt Clay Thompson got hurt and they had a better coach. Who's to say, you know, if DeMar was there, he may – and then you go against an injured Warriors team, that they still wouldn't have won the championship. They're I just basing you, off that. DeMar DeRozan with the Toronto Raptors in 2019 and against that depleted Warriors team would have won an NBA championship. I, I definitely believe that. So it's just crazy to me that they were like, oh, this is – Who's going to play defense? Zach and DeMar aren't going to work. When the team was structured for, they didn't, they weren't going to be the main defensive guys. It was Lonzo and Caruso. And, you know, while we had them, we were like number one in the East. Yeah. But we all know that success creates the narrative. Um, There's still people out there who believe that, like, Devin Booker is light years better than Zach Levine. Like, (laughs) 
<laughs> people have what? said that about Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> yes. What, 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 the only thing that I, I think is unfortunate about this playoff run for, for basketball fans, NBA fans that don't watch the Bulls a lot, this is not Zach Levine at his healthiest. He's nope. playing on a very injured knee. Um, you know, a lot of players wouldn't have even played. Uh, he's playing because yeah. of the, for the love of the game. Um, you know, that's why I, I, I respect that about Zach so much. And it's very unfortunate because although he has playoffs, um, playoff series against Milwaukee, um, he's not playing to his full capacity, and that's for sure. Um, he can, he's not as explosive as he normally is. You can see that he is at times favoring that knee. I mean, who could blame him? He's had a torn ACL. Uh, what was it, five years ago? Yep. Um, yeah, so you tread lightly of, on that too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just that thought. You always have that, the memory of that, that pain that you, that you suffered. And when you, when you feel your, your, your knee starting to maybe have a little bit of discomfort as you're going up to the hoop and you're missing layups that you would normally dunk, there's a reason for that. And people say, oh, Zach's not, Zach's not worth the max. Zach's not worth the Supermax. First of all, listen, anybody that says Supermax, please, effects, he's not, he does not even qualify for the Supermax. Please, Bulls Nation, please. Is he worth the max? Yes, he is. He is worth the max. He has proven that. I, I would say based off of the way he's been playing since he um, aggravated his knee and playing through injury, um, that's not Zach Levine how he normally plays. That is not him at his full capacity. But when he is there, he is worth the max. Definitely worth the max. And he's a, he's a guy you build around. Yeah. Yeah. And considering it. also that with like he had an injured hand too. That's correct. And sure did. His year has been a very good year. Like this, this is like a down year for Zach. And you look back at his numbers and it's like, oh, wait. Yeah. You're still that dude. Like, uh, you're putting up better numbers than Harden is. Um, yeah. So, you know, when I realized that when I was watching Cleveland and, and Zach was having a hard time getting by Kevin Love, I was like, okay, yeah, he's playing hurt. Uh, so, you know, he comes back uh, next year. This It's a totally different team. Like, if Zach's healthy, Caruso's healthy, Ball is healthy. I don't even know like what kind of situation we're sitting in. Even if like this um, Bucks team would, would have been a team that they even matched up with, because their record undoubtedly would have been much better. So this, you know, like you were saying, it's not the full Zach that we're going to see uh, come next year. Yeah, and the funny thing is the the thumb, the torn ligament, thumb now indeed has that injury. And you see that they started dropping those games to the Raptors because he's not 100% with that hand. That's right. Yeah, still 20 and 10 guy, but mm-hmm. it's not the same player. Still not the same player. And they're, in, I mean, they're, they're up 3-2, but they, hey, you never know. Yep. And if, if Zach has played his last game of this series, he averaged 19 points, five rebounds, six assists. 43% from the field, 38% from three, and 95% from the free throw line. <laughs> I mean, hey, those are those are numbers. Those are decent numbers, good numbers for your very first playoffs. This is without your being, starting point guard. Not your starting and point being guard. injured. 
And being injured. <laughs> being injured. Yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. So nothing to be ashamed of at all. Not to be ashamed of. Now let's let's hope that uh, this might have been a false positive, and gets uh, retested. And hey, he's on a plane to to Milwaukee, and he plays tomorrow night. Hey, you never know. Yeah, Zach and Caruso both aren't officially ruled out as of yet. That is correct. So, you know, maybe we'll actually get some luck on our side and we'll play. But even if not, I tell you what, I'm looking for a classic February DeMar DeRozan performance. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I think, you know, Kobe is going to make some shots tomorrow. He's definitely due. I, I, I see, like, Vooch, Kobe, and DeMar combining for, like, 85 points. There you go. What about P. Will? Because I thought that P. Will, like, would have been the X factor of this team. Like, fully healthy, I thought that he would have been a big X factor. And he did put up 20 points and 10 rebounds this last game. So, he's definitely (laughs) capable. And this is a great experience for him. I agree with you, Derek. I think that – I think that – those three are going to combine for about that much. I can agree with you. I hope that they play Vooch more in the low post. Um, you know, I've made that very clear. We've talked about now, is it good for him to shoot threes? Yes, every now and then when it's in the context of the offense. But please, guys, please try to grab a rebound. Like, please, one guy or two, please. Try to run to the ball and try to get a rebound when he does. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I like him playing the low post inside out. 90s. He's definitely he's definitely effective when doing that, and he's very capable. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, so, no, I, I I've seen <laughs> I've seen people saying tomorrow is going to be the last game we see Kobe Vooch in a Bulls uniform. Really want to know who do people that we're going to get rid of Vooch for? Yeah, who are you getting? Who? Like, I think Aiton's contract is up. I thought like they didn't offer him an extension. I don't think in Phoenix, but who else? Who could they possibly bring on that team who would be better than what Vooch is giving you? Thank you. I'm like, there are four centers right now averaging 22 points in the playoffs. Indeed, Jokic, Cat, and Vooch. Yeah. I, I don't know who <laughs> you think is going to come in and be a better third option at center. It's not like we're looking at Vooch to be the first guy or the second guy. He's third guy, and he's one of only four centers that are averaging over 22 in the playoffs. He does so well with the team. He's perfect for what we need. What we need to do is yeah. bolster the, the front court by adding maybe a, a um, maybe, maybe not quite a starter, but a good backup power forward center that can give you 30 minutes on any given night and give you very good production. No reason to trade Vucevic, please. Do not. No. Vucevic's role kind of reminds me of, like, when the the Heat were together with that big three of uh, 
uh, D-Wade, LeBron, and Bosch. Bosch reminds me of, of settling into that Bosch role. Um, then when I was, you know, being in South Florida, like I was front and center with that. And you would you would not believe the amount of criticism people gave Bosch uh, for not being more aggressive on that team. And I was always like, who else are you going to add to this team who does what Bosch does? Like, no one. There's nobody who's going to fit into that role and be perfect for what they need um, now or even moving forward. And I think that Booch, um, and, you know, I've had criticism of Booch this year too, but a big thing with Booch was he wasn't playing next to a viable power forward next to him the entire year. You can't have a six foot three guard. Yeah, Javante um, Green. <laughs> Come on. Being your starting power forward, like you're, you're gonna put Vooch in like these compromising situations, and um, That's right. but he he performed admirably. When you look back this year, you know, especially what he's doing in the playoffs right now, he's had more than just a solid year. He's had a very good year. He should have been an all star. I know he had a a rough start to the season. He did. But ever since really the, the, the beginning of 2022 calendar year, he's been playing up to his normal Vucevic production. And he is an all-star, absolutely, every year. Yeah. Not just two, every year. He's, he's that good, and he's uh, very undervalued by the Bulls. He's, that's a guy right there that if he does leave, there's going to be a lot of Bulls fans that are going to miss him. He's just he, – he, like, you don't realize what you've got till it's gone. He's definitely um, one of those. Uh, he's – He's perfect for what we have, what we need. Yeah, do we need more front court help? Yeah, but that's not by getting rid of Vucevic. That's the worst thing you can do. And well, the crazy yeah. thing was, mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh, go ahead. And, and, and Gobert, I'm so tired of seeing. Please trade him for Gobert. No, Gosh. no, no, uh. no. no. <laughs> the albatross of a contract with limited offense and yeah, better defense. I'll, yeah, that's true. But come on, please no, please no Gobert. What happens to Gobert in the playoffs? I mean, look at the look at the Utah series. Look at the, yeah. the shot that Luca did on him last night. You really want that, Chicago Bulls fans? <laughs> you know, getting faked out by Luca right there, like right in your face, and blown out uh, in the process. I mean, this is my whole thing. Like, yeah, we we like Vooch being in the post more. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people complain about him taking so many threes. three-point shooter he's just like decent at it it gets the respect of a defender if he's out on the three-point line and we need that to stretch the floor especially since DeMar likes to operate in the mid-range area that's right the problem is Johnny me and you talked about this is when Vooch shoots a three nobody on the Bulls goes for a rebound no they just look at the ball as they look it's at in the, the ball. air. Oh, they don't yeah. say, "I'm going to go get it." Yeah, I, I mean, there was even a play. I'm sure you all noticed this. I did, and I lost, I lost my mind when I saw it. Zach Levine was literally in front of the rim when Vucevic shot a three, and it it went off, you know, bricked, and he literally ran away from the basket. He ran away from. He ran away from the <laughs> rebound. I couldn't believe. Like, Zach, no, why? Why are you doing this, man? I love you to death, but why? 
I don't. I don't get it. It's something that I just don't. Yeah, bitch, bitch, I don't mind you shooting threes, but please, guys, crash the boards. Somebody, one or two of you guys, please, crash the boards. <laughs> and the funny thing is, you know, in my like when I think back to when um, Ao was handling the ball a lot because Caruso and Ball weren't out there. I thought that there was a very good understanding between the two of them as far as playing the pick and roll. I thought that there were, there were like, and it was small sample sizes, but they played it so well. Which and Ao just did it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. The, he did like just a, an amazing job of just, okay, I'm going to find my big man. I'm going to find my big man. We're going to play pick and roll off of each other. And this is going to be very easy to do. And like in that small sample size, I was like, why is it that a rookie can understand the importance of finding Vooch down low, but That's you right. can't get other guys involved in that? Like, I just don't understand it. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Um, that's where I think Vucevic was at, was at his best when Ayo was at his best. They were playing so well together and we were winning. Even when yeah. Zach Levine was out and Lonzo Ball and Caruso, we were still putting up dubs because Ayo and Vooch just played so well together. Uh, it was a beautiful thing to see the, the pick and pop, the pick and roll move. going to the hoop. He was, he, he was able to find Vucevic under the hoops just better than anybody. It was, it was beautiful. I don't know why they yeah, got away from that. I don't, you know, the Bulls, they go through this thing of, um, and like, it's hard to fault Damar and, and um, Levine, but they go through these droughts where it's like, my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. You know, it's not like, you know, an involved system of, okay, we're moving this ball around. Oh, hey, you know, if Booch has the ball and he's on a hot run, don't go away from that. Um, there are too many times throughout the year and especially in the playoffs where Booch has it going and it's like, okay, it's my turn now. And you see DeMar trying to like make shots or you see Levine um, trying to make shots. And that's, that's just in the, in the maturation, uh, pro- maturation process of just getting better. But uh, yeah, like when, when we had IO and IO was playing um, through Vooch more, like the passing on the team was just so much better. The offensive sets were mo- more cohesive. And I, I, I hope not just in this game, but moving forward as like into next year that we just get a chance to see more of that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. They had a, a great two-man game going. They really did. And, you know, Zach and, and Vucevic play very well off each other too on the, the pick and roll. Yep. Um, you know, uh, I feel like they're, that's when they're at their best, too, is Vucevic, when he's on that pick and roll, kind of like a mid-range, uh, not even a real jump shot, but you've seen it so many times, last year and this year. Um, that's a great play that they run. I love, love when they do that. Yeah, I don't they know get why away it from seems it, like, yeah, that's what I was about to yeah. say. I don't know why it seems like when we have something working, we stop doing mm-hmm. it. I agree. Like when other teams find something that is working, they will in, abuse it and run it every time down the court until you stop them. That's right. That's the way it's supposed to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But, you know, we'll see what adjustments they have moving forward into this next game. Hopefully they, you know, somebody brings that to attention. But you know what? Another thing, um, they haven't had their lead assistant in there, too. So I wonder if that has affected, you know, just having that extra voice in there. Because haven't Fleming been out with COVID? Yeah, he was back last game. Oh, he was last game? Yes. I believe Maurice Cheeks was out last game, but it was not due to COVID illness. It was something else. Yeah, he's he's back too. So you guys just totally killed my excuse that I was trying to give them. <laughs> <laughs> Why they played so poorly. So there goes that. <laughs> I I, I mean, it's a young team, and, you know, there's only four players on the team that have playoff experience, Vooch, um, Caruso, DeMar, and Tristan, and, you know, Tristan's not really part of this team, so you're really looking at three players total with playoff experience. And a lot of these young guys are, you know, they're just getting their first experience of playoff basketball. They really probably didn't know exactly how intense it would be. And, you know, that could be a reason why the last couple of games, you're going against the defending champions. They went through the whole entire playoffs last year. They know what it takes. Look, win or lose, it's great experience. It's the greatest thing ever. I'm so glad we made the playoffs. And miss, some people say, oh, they're better off tanking at the end, getting a lottery pick. No, no, no. You know, Jordan, before um, Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant joined the team, 1-9 and nine in the playoffs, 3-1 and one versus Milwaukee in 85, 3-0 and oh versus Boston the next two years after that. Um, but what that did, Jordan and the Bulls just made them better and better, and it made them more playoff tested. And it got them ready. Once Pippen and, and Grant came in, it was, you know, they just took it to the next level. And I'm not saying that the Bulls, it's going to take us that long to get through and, and take the next step. It shouldn't because we have, our players are definitely um, um, further along in their careers. But um, this, is, this, is, this is a great step. Even if we lose tomorrow night, I don't, you know, I believe, I believe, like with Derek, we're going we're gonna to shock the world tomorrow. I'm, not, I'm never going to say the Bulls are going to lose, okay? But even if we do not, it's it's greatest thing, greatest experience. Patrick Williams, I.O., even Zach Levine, who's been in the league for years, first case of uh, playoff experience and uh, excited for the future. Great time to be a Bulls fan. Yeah, I agree. And also, like, I, I really appreciated um, the young guy's mindset, um, especially – uh, P. Will uh, missing pretty much the entire entire season, uh, but just asking when he was asked about like the defensive responsibilities of taking on Giannis, you know, he was like, "He's not God." <laughs> you know, and I appreciated that because I've seen on the tape with the game, like he does not back down when it comes to not. guarding Giannis. Like he is up scared. in his space. He's not scared. Um, and I appreciate what um even with um Ao, you know, he's had some bright spots in this in this series too. But they just need 
need to have that that steady uh, understanding and that experience. And, you know, it, it only comes with being in the moment, you know, experiencing that. So I see, that, you know, they, they have a bright future heading forward. It's a really bright future. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and they got a first round draft pick that they can add next year, right? So, at number, number 18. 18. Yep. Number 18 pick. Yeah. Um, you know, making the playoffs as a team is always a great experience for you to build on, you know, the next couple of years to come, unless you're the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> there it was. Oh, <laughs> Get it in there eventually. <laughs> You've got to go up to a Bulls Knicks game at Madison Square Garden and troll Knicks fans with me. It's 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 great. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I got to give it to them though. They are so passionate. I went to that game on March 28th, and you know, a team that's not going to make the playoffs, obviously at that point. And uh, I cannot remember. I think it might have been quickly hit that three point shot that basically iced the game. And, the Garden erupted as if it was a playoff game. You would have thought that they had just won a playoff game. And this is a team that's not even going to make the playoffs. And I will give it to the fans. They are definitely passionate. Yeah, they believe. They I do. give it to them. They do believe. I don't know if it's well-found, well-justified well beliefs, but they believe. <laughs> you know, hand it to them. Yeah. Uh, we take the Mitchell Robinson from in free oh, agency from them. That would that, be nice. That is that should be our target right there. That would be I, nice. I mean, he's an unrestricted free agent. I think you know the only thing maybe the asking price we might since we don't have that much money. But I think what we're going to do is save Zach's signing for last, so we can go over the cap with his birds' rights. There you go. So we're going. Can you imagine like a lineup that featured Caruso, Ball, Robinson, uh, P. Will, and maybe either like Zach or or um, DeRozan? Like that wow. would be like wow. that that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, like any combination that had that would be awesome. Yep, that gives you your backup big man that can play defense, rebound. He's not bad at scoring either. No, he's not. So they definitely that would be the guy that you know provides the great backup minutes for Vooch. Yeah, that would be a dream. That would that would take us to the next level. And we just need to find like a shooter. <laughs> yeah, people keep saying like, "Oh, you need shooters." Like, I think back to like that Spurs team in the past. They had like one shooter. Yeah. It's like Patty Mills. You know, Ginobili could knock down some shots, but he wasn't known as just a shooter. You know, it's yeah. not like you like even the Heat team. They didn't have like a bunch of shooters on that team. It was just. You know, you added Ray Allen. Okay, that was the guy that you need, and you knew the ball was eventually going to come back to him at some moment. But it's about creating mismatches someplace. And with just having one shooter on the court helps create a mismatch because then you have to guard those guys one-on-one, and then that opens it up for Vooch to go to work, for DeMar, for Zach to do their thing. So 
I don't think they need a bunch of guys on there. You just like maybe one or two pieces, really. Yeah. One or two pieces, a healthy Zach and a healthy Lonzo. Yeah. Now, that's the thing that worries me moving forward is can Lonzo stay healthy? But that's probably for another podcast. <laughs> We're going to hope for the best that, uh, you know, the surgery takes care of that. Um, from what I understand, it's not even the surgery that he had that's why he's still out. It's the bone bruise. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a meniscus tear or something like that. Yeah, he tore his meniscus and the surgery to repair went well, but it, it's the bone bruise that's why he's still having that discomfort. Um, oh, okay. You no, know, it could take like six months, so even more for a bone bruise to heal properly. Wow. Yeah, I only say that because he's young but has missed a lot of time in the NBA. Um, I was going back to like his games that he started the first couple of years and I was just kind of blown away because when you're young, you know, you expect these guys to be able to like, you know, run for days. Um, and I, I will give credit to him. He has improved his game greatly since he's been in the league, like for him to sh- like to totally revamp his shot after being in the league for like three or four years. That shows you the level of dedication that he has to his craft. But um, just hope he can eventually stay healthy. That, that's, that is the hope. That is the dream. So, yeah, we, we are looking. Um, winner go home tomorrow. I believe we pull it off in fourth game six. I know John's right there with me. I'm going for DeMar DeRozan buzzer beater in Giannis's face. How does that sound? <laughs> and they'll make another limited edition card. Out of that exactly. <laughs> How about a P-Will dunk on Giannis to end the game? That oh, would be awesome. That would be sweet, too. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, I, I, I really believe this. Patrick Williams, he's, he's already got the defense down. If he continues to improve offensively like he's capable of, and if he gets this instinct of wanting to take over games, in two years from now, he will be our best player. I'm saying that right now. That's I no do dis- believe that. There's, that is no disrespect to Zach Levine. Love him to death. DeMar DeRozan, you know, at that time, he'll be about 34. So he'll be, you know, who knows where he'll be at in his career. Um, but Patrick Williams has already got the defense. Uh, it's going to be a beautiful thing to see. Cannot wait to see um, where he's at in a couple years from now. I mean, Pat could, you know, potentially become like Jimmy Butler. Yes. You know, he started off as just this defensive guy, and then he just added offense like each year. And now he's this all-star player where he like can single-handedly win you playoff games. That's right. Yeah, I see like this kind of like quiet aggression in him, where he he has not 
in for lack of a better term, like he hasn't fully realized his powers. <laughs> once once he does, like it's gonna be a nightmare for the league. Because even like people have been criticizing his slow release on his shot. He's so athletic, he gets up so high in the air, nobody's blocking that shot, no matter how much time it takes him. Um, so I don't really see that being a point. I think that right now he's kind of just scared to step on other people's toes. Um, but once he figures out, like he can, you know, put his imprint on the on the game, then it's it's going to be over. Yeah, I, I expect him like to be able to play how he did that last game. So no Zach, no Demar. He wasn't worried about, you know, stepping on anybody's toes. He's like, okay, I'm the best player out here. I'm going to. Just because of. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, just because of that right there. That was one of my favorite games of the year. Just seeing Patrick Williams play to his potential was, was one of the most, was one of the best moments of the season. Yeah. I love the way he just goes and rebounds. Like he goes up for a rebound and it's like nobody's getting it. Like the energy that he provides and just doing that simple thing like makes me giddy. So yeah. once he you know just realizes his powers like I said um it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a big problem for the the rest of the league. That's right. And I do like the Jimmy Butler uh comparisons because Jimmy, when he first came into the league, you remember he was when he got the ball in the offensive end, he was he wanted to get rid of it. It was like a hot potato. Get, get rid of it, pass it off. He did not want that ball. But defensively, he was so locked down. I just remember him guarding Kobe and Carmelo Anthony. You know, back when he played for the Knicks, he pretty much he played them better than anybody on, on our teams, even when he was a rookie. And it just yeah, I I can I definitely like that comparison. Um, but yeah, we are getting ready for the game tomorrow. Um, when I go home, back against the wall, win or lose, go out there and compete and make the Bucks see red. Want to, you know, plug this fan, you know, the foreign players that are in there. I'm sorry, what was that now? You want to plug your Bulls fam group? Tell them the former players that are in there. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, the Bulls fam is a group on Facebook that I started about 10 years ago. And one of the very first members of the group, actually, um, Stacey King, um, thankfully, he's pretty big on social media, especially on Twitter. Um, kind of active. He's more active now than he used to be on Facebook. But he's uh, been a member of the group for, for a very long time. Um, <laughs> Scott Williams is in the group, Bill Wennington, Corey Blunt, uh, Sam Vincent. Craig Hodges used to be in there, but I think he deactivated his account. Um, you know, so it's, um, it's definitely a, it's a beautiful thing. If you're on Facebook and uh, you want a good Bulls group, not saying it's the best, but I definitely think it's one of the best, just look up uh, Bulls fam and we will definitely add you. Only real Bulls fans, that's it. Bulls fans. <laughs> Justin, you want to tell them uh, where they can follow you at? Uh, yeah, at He Said What Sports. 
And if you're not on Discord, you got to get on there because it <laughs> is lively <laughs> throughout the game, to say the least. Now that I'm actually, you know, um, in the right room <laughs> and not <laughs> not sending messages to myself, it's very, very engaging. <laughs> I, I need yes. to figure out this whole Discord thing. You know, thanks to Derek, I, he got me on it. And I logged in, you know, I put up an account and I joined the group that um, I'm assuming both of you are in. And I, I couldn't really follow it. Like, I, I don't know. I, it's just a different format than what I'm used to. Uh, I, need to I need to look into that. I'll do that tomorrow night during the game. So it wasn't just me, Derek, because <laughs> Derek was like clowning on me like, oh, like, what are you doing? And I'm sending there, I'm like, sending a bunch of messages and i'm like nobody's responding to anything i don't even see anybody in this room that i'm in and yeah I, I was i was nowhere near where other people were at as far as the engagement part so yeah thanks yeah. Derek. <laughs> i definitely need to figure that out maybe that's something to look forward to for next season once i become more inclined to using the whole app but yeah looking forward to it Oh, man. Once again, <laughs> you can follow me at Young Jordan. Um, of course, they're talking about the Chicago Bulls official Discord. I am a moderator for the Bulls Discords. If you follow me on Twitter and you need a link to the Discord, I will gladly send it to you. Uh, like I said, it's, it's lively during the game. It's kind of lively all day. Um like various stuff like we we've been clowning ben simmons all day today so <laughs> it's a great place to be that's great definitely we'll check it out I'll, I'll i'll try to pay attention more maybe i'll even do a little tutorial on it or something all right so yeah um uh, game five tomorrow um keep believing bulls Oh, Bulls. C-Red. C-Red to the deathbed. Run with us. <laughs> to the deathbed. 